last week, Paul spoke to us about lawyers and hypocrisy, basically. And following on in the same section of Luke, chapter 12, we're looking in sort of 1 to 34. And I'm not going to read the whole verse of um, Scripture. It's, up on, it's going to be on the screen. Um, and I would encourage you, after you've heard the message today, to, to read it and to think about it again. And I'll make some reference to it as we go through. But the kind of title I gave to today was To Fear or Not to Fear. That's the question. And for fear, you could say anxiety. And when we were praying earlier, my sense of it was there are a lot of people in here and maybe watching online who are anxious, who are feeling anxious and feeling fearful. So today, in the passage that we're going to be looking at, we see Jesus giving us warnings, but also encouragements. So I ask you, do you worry a lot? Are you ever struck with fear? Or seized with alarm? Are you ever anxious and troubled? Now, how many people here could put their hands up and say, no, not me, never. There is one which is quite amazing. But the person involved, it doesn't surprise me. And I know why he says that, and we'll come to that before we leave. But most of you would clearly say yes. Now, Jesus never said, don't worry because there's nothing to worry about. He didn't say that. He says, don't worry in spite of the fact that there is so much to worry about. And many times Jesus said to his followers, do not be afraid. Do not worry. They were the words that came from Jesus. In verse 2 it says, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear, in the inner rooms, will be proclaimed from the roofs. Now that scares me. The thought that everything that I have said, thought, done, will be exposed. Can you imagine that? Does that make you feel joyful that when you stand before the Lord and he, you have to give an account and He exposes everything about you? Are you going to stand there and say, oh, cool, go for it? That fills me with fear. But then Jesus takes us a step further. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Now we don't often talk about hell in church. In the same way that the world doesn't want to hear about sin, 
people don't want to hear about hell. They don't want to face the reality of it. But you see, Jesus speaks about it often, and he describes it in great detail. He says it's a place of eternal torment, Luke 16, 23. In Mark 9, 43, he says it's an unquenchable fire where the worm does not die, where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret, and from which there is no return even to warn loved ones. If we're going to warn our loved ones, we need to warn them now. We can't do it after we've gone. He calls hell a place of outer darkness, comparing it to Gehenna. And Gehenna was a a trash dump outside the walls of Jerusalem where rubbish was burned and maggots abounded. Jesus talks about hell more than he talks about heaven. And he describes it more vividly. There's no denying that Jesus knew, believed, and warned about the absolute reality of hell. But as always, with Jesus and with Scripture, there's good news. You can have your name written in the book of life. And you can avoid the judgment that will leave you in hell. And for me, uh, when you read about, uh, especially in Revelation, and you read all the uh, passages about hell in the Bible, a lot of it may be allegorical. I don't know how much of the reality it is. But what I do know is it's a place where God isn't. It's a place where the influence of the Holy Spirit, of the goodness of God, of the love of God, of the care of God, is absent. Now, do we really want to spend eternity in that place? Look around the world today and look at the evil and the chaos that we see when we still have the church present, when we still have God and His Holy Spirit in the world. Now, imagine all that's taken out and and sin and hatred and evil is given free reign. That's that place where God isn't. And I, for one, do not want to be there. And I do not want anybody I know and love to be there also. Revelation 20, verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And verse 15 says, Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And you know how you get your name written in the book of life? Through faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus came for that purpose, that we might have life and we'd have it eternally. You see, if you accept that you are a sinner, that you've sinned against God, and that you've fallen short, which we all have, And if you repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry, and you turn to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness, he will forgive you. If you are sincere, he will forgive you. You see, you obey and you trust him. Then by grace, you receive the Holy Spirit. And then you have the peace and the assurance 
of eternal life. And that brings us to John 3.16, doesn't it? The classic verse from the Bible that sums everything up. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall, have, shall not perish but have eternal life. So you have to believe in Him. You can't do it any other way. He is the only way. You see, I, I love how Nicky Gumbel summarizes the answer to fear. And that's what we're looking at today. There's, what kind of fear should we have? It's that fear of God. But we shouldn't fear anything else. If we know and we trust and we love Jesus, then we should fear nothing else. And Nicky Gumbel summarizes the answer to fear. So I'm going to use a lot of what Nicky said. And I'm going to share that with you. And there are seven things. So Sean, if you want to put that slide up. The answer to fear and worry is to trust and obey. And Jesus gives us seven ways to deal with worry, anxiety, and fear. But I thought about this, trust and obey, and there's a, there's a, um, a story of a soldier who said that to remind himself every day that he was to trust and obey, he named his boots trust and obey. The left boot was trust, the right boot was obey. And every time he got up in the morning, put his boots on, he put trust on, and he put obey on. And that reminded him, and I thought it's a great way to remind it. So if we can all start naming our shoes, <laughs> even our slippers, and you call them trust and obey. Like Jimmy Cricket, um, that Irish comedian, has his wellies with L and R on, left and right. Well, we just need to put T and O on, don't we? Trust and obey, and we'll put the right shoes on the right feet. Anyway, so point one, fear God and nothing else. If you have a right and healthy fear of God, you need fear nothing else. Don't be bluffed into silence or insincerity by the threats of religious bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being, Save your fear for God, who holds your entire life, body and soul, in His hands. Second, know your value to God. Jesus tells you not to worry or be afraid because you are of infinite value to God. So many people feel unworthy. So many people lack self-confidence and self-esteem. And I'm not talking about being arrogant. But they, they look at themselves through the eyes of others. They look at themselves through the wrong lenses. We need to grasp how much God values us. He loves every single one of us so much. And He doesn't want that any of us should live lives you know, condemned by fear and anxiety. I listened to Dennis Prager the other day, and he was saying, you know, what's the purpose of life? You know, why are we here? And a lot of people would say, and I think I've said it myself, that we're here to glorify God. And he says, you know, when I think about the way God created this beautiful universe and this incredible world, and then he created Adam and Eve, and he created them so that they could enjoy it. And he wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy the planet that we live on, however difficult that may be. And we cannot do it if we live with anxiety and fear, unfounded. 
He tells us, know how much I value you. He says, you're worth more than many sparrows. And he knows you intimately. The very hairs on your head are all numbered. It takes him a lot less time to count my now than it did when I was younger. And that's probably the same for many of us blokes. But you get the point. And thirdly, trust the Holy Spirit. He tells us not to worry because we can trust the Holy Spirit to help us. When you face opposition, difficult, difficult meetings, difficult situations, difficult people and so on, Jesus says, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And it's true, and I've often gone into in business uh, into meetings where you know, I've been expecting conflict and not quite sure you know, how I'm going to deal with it. And I just pray before I go into these meetings, oh Lord, just give me the right words. And every time, every time, the words will come. And it's the same when we're talking to others about our faith. You know, you can rehearse what you might say, but trust that the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And fourth, don't miss the point of life. Jesus says that by worrying, you miss the whole point of life. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. The parable of the rich fool is in these verses, 13 to 21. And he tells the story of a businessman who'd built up a highly successful enterprise and made a considerable amount of money. And the world probably admired him. However, Jesus describes him as a fool and a failure. He made the false assumption that he had many years to live. And how often do we do that? You know, I remember planning when I was 41 and we're changing career paths, planning the next 25 years. I might not have lived six months beyond that point. And Jesus says, um, he'd, he'd, never, he'd never seen beyond this life. And that's the problem for so many people. And a lot of the anxiety and stress, and I see all these young people, you know, protesting about the climate emergency, you know, and the, the hysteria that goes with it because they see nothing other than this world. And if this world is threatened, well, they're threatened, and their entire future is threatened. In this story, the rich fool, his life was focused on himself, and the word I or my appears 11 times in verses 17 and 19. He's, as has been pointed out, a person wrapped up in themselves makes a very small package. Think about that. A person wrapped up in themselves makes a very small package. And he thought he was worth what his possessions were worth, but he failed to understand that the way to be truly rich was not in his possessions. And he was not rich towards God. Who you are as a person is far more important than what you do for a living. And for the last 50 years, you know, when I met someone new, I always said, so what do you do? And I'd be the same. So what's your job? You know, what do you do? That's kind of one of the first questions that you ask people. <clears throat> because we see it as the most important thing. What you do equates to your value. If you clean the streets, then you're not as valuable as the guy who, you know, flies the jet plane. 
Really? That's not how God looks at it. Every individual, every single person here, you are valued, not because of what you've got, not because of what you do, not how many skills you've got. He values you for who you are. He created you and he loves you. And then five, realize that fussing is futile. Jesus encourages you to look beyond material possessions and physical needs. He says, don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or if the clothes in your closet are in fashion. My clothes in my closet are all in fashion. <laughs> well, what in fashion in the 70s. And they were in fashion maybe in the 80s. But they're still in fashion. doesn't matter what time it was. Anyway, it's kind of irrelevant. There's nothing wrong with these things, right? It's okay to have a wardrobe with fashionable clothes, but they should not be our focus. That's not what we focus on. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And sixth, trust God's care and provision. Jesus points out that worry is the opposite of faith. If you trust, you will not worry. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you or you of little faith? You see, faith involves trust in God's care and provision. And when I was looking at that word faith, forsaking all, I take him. And another one, which is most relevant here, feeling afraid, I trust him. That's faith. Feeling afraid, I trust him. Uh, and seventh point, and seven's the perfect number. Um, seek God's kingdom. Trust and obedience go hand in hand. I guess you do all the gloves, couldn't you? When you're putting your gloves on, that's trust and that's obey. So there, shoes and gloves, you can use that for. Um, <clears throat> so rather than storing up things for yourself, you need to be rich towards God. Rather than worrying about material things, we should seek his kingdom, which God in his good pleasure has given to you, verse 32. This should be the focus of your life, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's the band to come back. Um, did I keep it brief? Not bad. Uh, not bad by my standards, anyway. So... Uh, the um, my wife's laughing. She's distracting me. Yeah. Yeah? Don't worry about it. Good. I wasn't worried. <laughs> but I didn't care whether I went over or not. Really. Um, but yes. So these are these are the things, and that's the point. There is something to avoid. Yes. None of us want to be in that place where God isn't when we die. And be sure of this, this life isn't all there is. The spirit that was created, that moment of conception, doesn't die. It continues. The spirit 
continues when the mortal body fails. But there's two destinations. We've just described one. And God says, this is the one you should fear. Right? Everything else, you trust in him and you obey him. And the fear and anxiety can dissipate. So let's just pray. Lord, thank you that you tell us over and over again not to worry and not to be afraid. Help us, Lord, to seek your kingdom and trust that all these things will be given to us as well. Amen.